Oh, 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 oh. boy. That's it. <laughs> Yugi boy. <laughs> oh. Welcome to Talk Amongst Yourselves, the Found Entertainment Talk Show Podcast. And today we are talking about the media of lockdown. I'm always Mike. And I'm always Darren. And we are in our 10th, maybe bordering on 11th week of lockdown here in the UK. Time has become a increasingly irrelevant concept. We live in a lawless wasteland where I've not worn trousers for 10 weeks and eat cheesecake for breakfast. So it's time to talk about the stuff we do in between recording these podcasts. I have legitimately abandoned the concept of boxes. Um, like, <laughs> I'm worried about going back to work and having to put trousers on. I don't know if I can handle it anymore. <laughs> I, I've lived exclusively in jogging bottoms and it's just been the best. It just cemented the fact that they are the greatest trousers ever made and society needs to catch up to that fact. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we are, we are staring down the barrel of a quarter of a year gone of being locked in the house, which is... Uh, just a terrifying concept with no end in sight um so (laughs) so whilst the world continues to burn outside and nothing good happens literally nothing good let's talk about the things that have actually comforted us uh we're going to be covering uh games going to be covering tv we're a couple of movies although you know we still haven't watched scoob so there's no new (laughs) films to speak of no, oh God, no. We we took this time very much to watch films. We watch a thousand times as opposed to exploring new media, but that's fine. I'm determined to keep this Scoob joke up as long as the, the cinemas aren't open and it's just the only <laughs> film is Scoob. Like, we've, <laughs> we've entered an apocalypse wherein the only entertainment comes from Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> there is no violence, there is no money, there is only Scoob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wonderful. Um... <laughs> Jesus. Right. Um, I'm just going to move my pop guard a little bit. There's a bit of technicality for you. There we go. Um, so yeah, we're just going to talk about things that we've uh, watched, played, enjoyed, hated. That's a major part of this. Uh, oh, yeah. Just so you kind of got, if you're struggling for something to do, as we, as we all are at the moment, uh, <laughs> there's some there's some good stuff. I will say a lot of my list falls into I hate it, but I love it categories. Really? So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of things on on streaming services that I, I'm kind of either guilty pleasures or I really wish I knew how to quit you level things. Um, <laughs> but hopefully it gives you such a wide variety of things that there's something there you might want to try. That it does. So shall we start with streaming since we just mentioned that? Absolutely. So um, we put it this way. We're at the point where my girlfriend is deciding whether we need Sky because we are subscribed to every subscription service under the sun. Okay, admittedly not all of them. We don't have Apple TV Plus. Um, because you need why would the you? Apple box for that, though, don't you? Yeah, it's a whole deal. And but you've got that. What if Jason Momoa was blind? And um... <laughs> please tell me that's the name of the show. No, it's called C. But <laughs> it, I mean, it looks mildly interesting. Like it's. It's a world where everyone is blind in, and it's gone back to like a tribalistic culture. Mm. And um, Jason Momoa is like the head of a tribe and he's blind. And But his daughter is born with sight. And that's a whole thing. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, it's. It, I wish it was called "What If Jason Momoa Was Blind." <laughs> it's just like following Jason Momoa trying to do his job, but he's blindfolded at all times. <laughs> Got an axe throwing. <laughs> he's being professionally good looking, but now he can't see. Um, Six AM, and Jason is driving to the gym. Carnage ensues. <laughs> So there's that, uh, and there's uh, what if Captain America was a defense attorney with a killer kid, which is the other show on Apple TV Plus, which uh, I'm again I'm I'm fine without missing. And I also we I don't think we can get HBO Max. Yeah, that's I don't think that's officially launched in the UK, but I might be talking out my ass. So and and to be fair, the only thing that HBO Max is even remotely associated right now with is the Snyder Cut of um, Justice League. So, you know, it's not exactly positive marketing, is it? Well, no. They are also, at some point, getting um, the Friends reunion. Oh, God, that's a thing that's happening. I think that it's either that or that's on the NBC streaming platform, Peacock streaming or whatever it's called, which annoyingly has the Parks and Rec reunion, which I still haven't seen. Oh, the table uh, read, is it? No, the, uh, they did a... I'm they did a new episode. They did a new episode because oh. what what if they were all in quarantine and checking up each on each other on Zoom? <laughs> and and I really I've only seen preview clips, but my God, do I I it's it's a new canon canon Parks and Rec episode, and I haven't seen it. It's annoying. Other than that, we have Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix, the WWE Network, um, which does factor in slightly here, believe it or not. Mm. Um, so, uh, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I kind of feel like we need to cover the most obvious one that came mm-hmm. out of lockdown. It was the one that we all went inside and it had just come out. So obviously it was going to be the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be Tiger King. Um, it's. Have you seen this series, Darren? Somehow, some way, even with infinite time on our hands, we have not seen Tiger King. Wow. You might be the only ones in well, the world at this point. I feel like I've seen it through osmosis, so I don't really feel like <laughs> I have the need to go and watch it anyway. But no, I haven't actually sat down and watched a single second of Tiger King. It's one of those things where... I'll I, I tell you what it is. It's a Stranger Things situation. Nobody would shut the fuck up about it, but it's deserved. It is ah. a very well-constructed documentary series, and it is one that actually... The way in which it's it is pretty straightforward in terms of its chronology because it was shot over I want to say three years, four years, something like that. Um, but the way that it kind of plays with time whilst exploring individual topics inside the big the the world of big cat owners is really effective. I'm not going to spoil too much because there are actually some big revelations that happen in the series. But when they do happen towards the back end of the series, they are really impactful. It's kind of surprising how little they were able to spoil, even though it felt like each episode was like, okay, that's the big thing. Now we're going to have the climb down. There's none of that almost the entire way through. There is no coming down. It only gets more convoluted, more controversial, and obviously more entertaining. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Right. So what is the basic concept of Tiger King? So Tiger King is a documentary series that follows a number of people who either run big cat zoos or run um, big cat sort of rescue facilities. Your main players will be uh, Joe Exotic. He is, oh God, he's a fucking character. He is a (laughs) gay 
redneck polyamorous at the same time as being gay he's got multiple husbands big cat owner in oklahoma who also wants to run for governor um he's he's constantly depicted holding a <laughs> like a, a singular crutch because he's just incredibly fucking frail so that's nice. fun um you've also the, the, obviously on the other side of the coin you've got uh, carol baskin who runs uh, literally called big cat rescue uh, florida in florida um and she is on the other side of like a legal battle as well as kind of like a, a little bit of an internet flame war with joe exotic she's trying to get him to shut down his zoo because he is um you know, not treating animals correctly he is uh, pulling uh sort of tiger cubs away from their mothers far too early in order to have uh, photo opportunities and make money for wealthy families for their days out um although the series does explore how th- even on the right side of history, things are not 100% clean cut. A um, couple of other interesting characters you got in there are, excuse me, are Doc Antle, who quite literally has a sex cult built around his zoo. Oh. I want to leave that episode. That's the second episode is uh, Big Cat Zoo sex cult. Hang on, hang on. Because you make it sound like... He's got a zoo that is surrounded by a sex cult. Like, literally, they built a sex cult building around <laughs> the outside of the zoo. They, they have large offices in the shape of a labia. No. Um, it's, oh, uh, that's annoying. So I, I'm just I'm just here for tigers, okay, guys? I have to come through this building to get to them, but I'm just here for tigers, okay? Let Wait, okay, go okay. my belt. <laughs> so that also implies that it's a sex cult around... It's not sex with the tigers right no 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 okay good it's it's there's actually a deeper exploration of the exploitative nature of people who work in these zoos so you see on the one hand with joe exotic zoos in in oklahoma how he he presents himself as kind of an angelic figure because he takes in people who are uh, like recovering alcoholics or recovering drug users or people who are destitute with no money and allows them to live on site in the offices at his zoo. And that sounds great until you see their living conditions. You see that they don't get a fair wage. You see that they have incredibly long working hours. We're talking upwards of 10 hours a day every day because the zoo is open every day. On the flip side of that, you've got Doc Antle Zoo, and I think that's, oh Christ, I know it's on the East Coast somewhere, but I can't remember where, um, where there is kind of a popularity contest going on with the multiple women entertainers that he's got working at his zoo that are kind of brought into this world and promised the, you know, the riches of working with uh, sort of endangered animals and, and what it essentially boils down to, it's if you want to get further in this company, you got to sleep with the boss. Uh, I, it, it's all gross and grimy. And Jesus, like the, the levels of absurdity that it reaches are unfathomable. You think episode one is pretty out there in showing that these people live in literal trash piles and steal meat from Walmart dumpster bins to feed to the tigers. You think, okay, that's the worst. Oh no, there's another eight episodes yet. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I had completely gotten the wrong end of the stick because basically I've had to piece it together through memes. Yeah. And I thought Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin were married to each other. No, no. <laughs> I have completely got the wrong end of that stick. There, okay. There is an entire oh. subplot devoted to did Carol Baskin kill her husband? 
Right, okay. <laughs> That's the oh. third episode. The third episode is like, you've heard about all these terrible people who own these zoos that animals are malnourished in. And it's like, but on the flip side, this woman probably almost definitely killed her husband and stole all his zoos. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> She like she was married to this guy. Um, I can't remember. I think he's oh fuck, what's his name? Something brown. And anyway, she she's married to this guy, and then the guy goes missing in a mysterious plane incident, and he's never seen again. Whilst he's trying to smuggle things down to Costa Rica, it's like right, right okay, he probably did put that plane in the water because he wasn't a very good plot pilot. But also, all of his wills were altered a week before he died. And it's like, okay. Uh, okay. As long as there's not too much on the animal mistreatment front, I think I'm going to be able to watch that show. I mean, there like, is obviously a bit of that. You can't uh, make this show without a bit of that. Yeah. The, the, it does focus more on the human drama. There is a great... My favourite character in the show is this guy... Uh, I think he's called, not Rick Wakefield. What's his name? Um, <laughs> it's Rick something. It's Rick. It, it's the first person you see in the first shot of the first episode. Mm-hmm. And he is a, a reporter turned reality TV show producer. And he came into Joe Exotic Zoo being like, I'm going to make shit tons of money out this guy by like making a web show about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like... That was the single worst decision I ever made in my life. And he's like, I got some incredible things on film. I, I got, I found out things about this man you wouldn't believe. But honestly, it's fucking scarred me. Oh, wow. It's like, and there's a whole episode devoted to when uh, hit those, they had like this, uh, this studio on grounds at the zoo and it burnt down and like all of the, like footage in the servers for the show went with it and, and this guy's just like well fuck it i'm out of here <laughs> like he pretty much just exit the series as like i've lost everything fuck this i'm going to norway oh. it's so ridiculous the natural choice obviously <laughs> yeah. um, wow okay cool well that i've now learned more about taking than i ever thought i needed to know so please watch like i i've talked about it for about 10 minutes now and yeah. I've tried to explain some of the things. There are about five episodes worth of ridiculous shit that I've not talked about. Lovely. Okay, that's now. See, now I'm getting things to put on my list. What a service we provide. Uh, I'm going to actually write that down. There we go. Um, so I actually was, when I was writing this list, Netflix didn't score highly for me because I think Netflix has got to the point of it's been around so long that I'd almost attempted to re-watch stuff on Netflix as opposed to watching new things. Yeah. So if you haven't already, it is a great time to re-watch The Umbrella Academy because season two is coming in. Oh, yes. I know, I know. Uh, that's coming uh, at the end of July, July 31st. Um, so it is a great time to go back and re-watch all of that. Um, yeah. I've I booked the day off. That also happens to be Rachel's birthday. So we booked the day off, but we won't have many options for what to do. We may just pay for all of the Umbrella Academy in one sitting. That's fine. Um, I have exactly the same plan. <laughs> that is that is my a, a number one option. Um, so for Netflix, I, the only new thing that came out for, for what we watch was the final series of Shit's Creek. So um, I think I've mentioned it very briefly before in like a year end wrap up. But Yeah, you've talked about the concept before. Yeah, it's uh, Eugene Levy um, and his son um doing a it's it's a very basic 
set up for a sitcom. It's they were a very rich family. The Eugene Levy is the dad, and he was um, basically he invented Blockbuster. It wasn't called Blockbuster in this; it's called something different. Um, but he was a multi multi millionaire. Uh, his wife, who's played by the mom from Home Alone, was um, a very famous actress. And their kid, they're just like socialites. So the daughter's Paris Hilton like, and um, the son, who is actually Eugene Levy's son, is um, like a very flamboyant, not flamboyant. Um, he's a very camp like art dealer. Um, anyway, they lose all their money in like a tax fraud um, scandal. Not their fault, just they've lost all their money. But in the 90s, as a birthday present to his son that he thought would be funny, the dad brought the town of Shits Creek. Um, which is spelled S-C-H-I-T-T-S. Um, so he thought it'd be funny to buy that. It's the only asset that's worth so little that they don't want to give it back to the IRS. So they have to move there and live in a motel. It's It sounds schlock, and I was a bit worried when I first started watching it, but it finds a way to be very um, human and have, like... It's, it's a bit of a high-concept thing, but they find quite good minimalist like human stories to tell because obviously it's stripped of all their wealth. They've not got a lot of things, you know, to, to play with. It's not high society anymore. There's like five locations in the whole series. So it tells quite intimate stories very well. It's quite funny, but it's not the show's strongest point is the humor. It so you say there's five seasons of this so far. Uh, I think there's six, six. Um, there's, I think that the final series was the sixth one. Um, but we, we paid through the first five seasons like over the course of five weeks, I think we, we basically watched it pretty much constantly. And then that was last year and now the final season has come out, but they also did a documentary on it. And it was kind of astounding to me how far reaching it's been because Eugene Levy's son, Daniel Levy is um, he's bisexual or pansexual. I can't remember which one it is. I think he's pansexual um, and his character is written the same way as well. So early on he ends up, um, he had, he said he's had girlfriends and all that stuff, but he ends up with a boyfriend and like the show, he said, because Daniel Levy is one of the, the chief writers. He's actually the person more credited with creating the show than his dad is. Mm. And he said, I'm, I'm not interested in writing homophobic characters to give the gay character some storyline. He said, I have no interest in that whatsoever. So he just, he's bisexual and that's all the conversation you need on that point. There's no like people discriminating against him or him having to come out. It's just a done thing. That's and it, it is really good. And it's like, it's made a, like the show is now a gay icon. So, huh. yeah, like, so they were marching in the Toronto Pride Parade. They were like the guests of honor at the front of it. And it had all these like wonderful people saying how much the show has helped them in like trying to explain to their parents, you know, come out to their parents, explain to their friends what it's like because this one character it's such like a it's like the 10th most important detail about him and it's completely normalized within the the context of the show and it's really nice i wouldn't recommend watching a documentary because it's quite wanky for most of it mm. um it's quite self-flagellating because like we, we rachel likes modern family and i happened to be sat there while she was watching like the wrap-up episode where they interviewed the cast and all that stuff yeah and it was like they're, they're all taking the mickey each other into outtakes the, the Shit's Creek wrap-up one is a very, like, serious, oh, yes, we've changed the world. And I'm like, all right, lads, you, you're talking about a show literally called Shit's Creek. Let's, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's all just take this down a notch. 
But uh, no, it's 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 a very it's for that I I really appreciate it, and it's also the mom from Home Alone is one of the best sitcom characters. Moira Rose is one of the best sitcom characters of the last like twenty years. She's she speaks in like an almost like faux English accent, despite the fact she's clearly not English. And <laughs> you just watch it for the way she pronounces certain words. It's it's is it genuinely like a, is it like a young Carrie Fisher situation? Kind of, but it's like very like over the top that she's trying to be posh. It's it's very hard for me to explain without doing an impression, which without context of the show you won't understand. Right, but it, it is just yeah, she's genuinely like the best character by a country mile on the show. It's it's amazing. Um, so yeah, that's my Netflix. But for the most part, my stuff has been coming from uh, Prime and uh, Disney Plus. So have you got yeah. any Prime or Disney Plus picks, Michael? Um. I've been, well, say I've been watching. Uh, Caroline has been watching uh, Outlander, so I've seen a little bit of that in passing. Um, that that is a, a show with a very strong sort of historic identity that throws it away really quickly to be isn't the nice Scottish man lovely? I hope they get married. The show, right. and in fact, they do that in the first season anyway. So, so you know. Shrek. <laughs> Oh God, it's historical Shrek. <laughs> there's, there's um apparently that this the first series ends with like some really traumatic stuff, and I, apparently I should tough it out to watch it, but I don't think I can do it. It's it's very well acted. It, it is very well performed, and I think that they really capture um kind of like the tribalistic nature of the you know the Celtic versus the sort of the more imperial british forces british english forces and there is a really cool concept in at least in the first series i'm not sure how long it carries on for where it so this woman basically what happens is she um she's on uh, a second honeymoon with her husband they've just come out of the war i, I want to say world war Two. yeah they've just come out of world war Two. she was a medic and he was a uh, like a, a colonel or a, a captain or something he was in combat and they haven't seen each other for fucking years they are trying to reconnect on a holiday in the scottish highlands when they go to this kind of i want to say look kind of a paganistic ritual site and she touches this giant stone in the on top of a hill and it throws her back in time ah. like, that's the concept the cool thing that they do is the first person she runs into when she goes back in time is an ancestor of her husband who looks is played by the same dude, which right. I, I like that. But he's a knob. He's, <laughs> he's an actual dickhead. Like, right. I, I think in the first couple of segments, she tries to kidnap and rape her. So that's fun. Oh. Uh, yeah. And then she, she's saved by the lovely Scottish man. Um Who's actually a? Re- I would like to see the guy who plays Jamie, who's the the main Scottish guy, in more stuff because he's he's really good. But it's it's more. They go to this castle where she's kind of kept on as like a a healer because obviously she's a combat medic. She knows how to reset bones and stuff like that. So it's helping mm. out in there in this kind of Celtic war situation. Um, not Celtic. It is Celtic, isn't it? Or am I thinking of something else? No, the Scots are a Celtic tribe, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
sorry, Sam Sam Hewen is the guy who plays Jamie in Outlander, and uh, Catriona Balfe, I want to say, is the woman who plays Claire, who's our main character. Mm-hmm. They're both really good, and I really want to see them in more stuff. I just wish this show didn't, like, six episodes in, do this subplot of she she wants to get back to the stone like the site where the stone is Mm -hmm. to try and get back to 1940 odd yeah but she can't because she's not allowed to leave because she's been forbidden by like the the laird of the land Mm -hmm. um and then it's more a thing of you'll be completely out you are an outlander you're an englishman you're not welcome here unless you are in a scottish family and they try to they basically have to forcibly marry her to somebody. So Jamie puts his hand up and says, yes, that's going to be me. And there's a romance blossoming there anyway, but it's just not, it, the romance isn't the coolest thing about the show. The coolest thing about the show was she's got historic knowledge of the battles that took place during the Celtic time because her husband is fascinated with his personal history. So he's going around, uh, the first episode is them going around all these battle sites in Scotland and being like, oh, my ancestor fought here for X, Y, Z. Um, and then finding out that he didn't fight on the Scottish side, he fought on the English side. So she knows every way that that battle can be won. And they ju- they forget that so quickly to do this um, this romantic, it's not even a subplot, it's a romantic main plot. So yeah, I just I can't I can't get into it. I tried, and I've heard very good things about the ending of the first series and the series that follow it, but I just I just can't get through it. No, it's that sounds heavy going, and that's that's like several high concepts at the same time. So yeah, yeah, I get that, but uh, no, I have heard that's come across the radar a few times. Um, but see, we I need to talk about hunters. <laughs> you threatened me with this before we started the episode and I've no idea what this is right so it's on Amazon Prime and we were, we were flicking through the new ones and Outlander was one of the options I think is on the list but we decided to go with this one because it was the one that kept being you know when you watch stuff on Prime they put like those little trailers in front of the shows you want to watch mm-hmm. including individual episodes of Safe Park when you're trying to watch them and you're watching them in a row <laughs> and, and they keep banging you over the head with I'm not watching little fires everywhere fuck off um, oh yeah, there's a lot of adverts for that at the minute. Uh-huh. That's the, well, that's the thing. When we were watching, um, when we were watching, you know, I'm gonna have a slight diversion. Whilst we were watching Jesus a Hospital, um, <laughs> aka uh, oh god, uh, New, Amsterdam. New Amsterdam. I actually forgot what it was. <laughs> no, no, you got it right the first time. It's Jesus we, Hospital. We referred to it as Jesus Hospital. Whilst we were watching the the uh, the new season of that that's uh, on Amazon Prime, which I've mentioned several times before if you're into something just easy watching schlock procedural give new amsterdam a go it, it's i i, <laughs> I oh, think i'm gonna i think i've got to start it i think i've I, got to start Jesus please Hospital. do because i need to know if it's just me that i i both love and and hate this show at the same <laughs> time because <laughs> i'm fully aware that it's shite but when you put, because this thing, I had to make my own fun. I had to find a way to make it tolerable. And in inventing the concept that I genuinely believe this is meant to be a, a Jesus allegory, <laughs> it, has, it, it has helped so much. And in season two, they reached an episode where I felt like I was on the verge of being proved right. I'm like, oh my God, my conspiracy theory is true. And Max Goodwin, he's called Max Goodwin, for God's <laughs> sake. So 
Oh god. I I got to the point. There's an episode season two. Where I was like, oh my god, he is actually going to come out to Jesus. This is going to be it now. Um, and it, it's I, I'm still convinced. Um, that that's what's going to happen. Do give it a watch. Like I said, it's schlock, but it's at least watchable schlock. It's got good actors in there, and it, it, it in season two it, it felt like it was struggling because the main the main plot of the first the, the big overriding plot of the first season is kind of gone now, and they've moved on to something different. Um, because you, you learn in the first episode of the first season that Max Goodwin is he was previously like a, a small town uh, sorry a small hospital um, medical director. Just a um, small town hospital. <laughs> Living in a lonely New York. Um, <laughs> he, he's trying to get divorced, actually, in the first season. So anyway, anyway. <laughs> so he he's like an MD at a very small hospital. Uh, his wife is pregnant, but they're kind of estranged a little bit. Um, and he he's made a, the medical director of New Amsterdam, which is the biggest public hospital in New York. It doesn't exist, but um, in, the, in the show, it's like the biggest public hospital in the US not having the nuanced information and knowledge of the American health system, other than knowing it is royally fucked. I don't know what the difference is between this hospital and a normal hospital. Um, it seems to be that it's cheaper or maybe even free compared to your normal American hospitals. I don't know. But in the first episode, you find out he also has throat cancer. And, oh, okay. and is yeah and and it's not great and so he's having to go through chemo at his own hospital uh, whilst trying to be he's a very hands-on medical director his catchphrase is how can i help which i only every time he says it it's just joe and homer's trying to find new catchphrases for everybody yeah. he wants lisa to get one she just says i'm going to my room all i hear every time he says how can i help is what kind of catchphrase is that um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's so season one has that as its main like pull, mm-hmm. and uh, it's for, for many reasons it's not the main pull in the second season. So it struggled to find its feet with that, but it's still some good schlock. Anyway, whilst we were watching that before every episode, Hunters was a thing being um, shown off. So you may have seen it because they also did put it on. There were TV adverts for it because it was a big deal because they got Al Pacino in it. Oh well, wow, that's a big pull. Yeah, so they've got it's it's headed up by Al Pacino and Logan Lerman from um, oh, Percy really? Jackson. Yeah, okay. um, and it's set in the seventies. Uh, yeah, I think what are they watching Empire Strikes Back or are they watching uh, Last Jedi in the first Last Jedi um, <laughs> Return Jedi of the Jedi. Jedi? I think it's Empire. So when was Empire? That's whatever em- the Empire, Empire was eighty one or eighty. Okay, maybe it's 80s then, yeah. So, whenever Empire Strikes Back come out, that's when it's set. So, basically, Logan Lerman is like a, a young Jewish kid in New York. Um, and he, um, in the first episode, like the first half of the first episode, his grandmother, who was an Auschwitz survivor, uh, is killed in mysterious circumstances. And at the um, at the funeral, it's just him and his grandmother. That's the only people who live in this. At the funeral, Al Pacino turns up as an older Jewish gentleman called uh, Oscar. I keep wanting to call him Oscar Meyer, but I know that's Oscar not his name. Oscar That's the hot dog company. Yeah. Um, oh, it's Meyer, Meyer Offerman. That's why. Um, he turns up and he's like, if you ever need anything, I'm very rich. Come, come to me. Turns out 
that oh no the first the first scene kind of sets up that it's going to be about nazis living in america the ones that were brought over here via operation paperclip um and oh my Al- god you just reminded me of a terrible show i've been watching carry on i'm making a note Ooh, about that lovely so it's about basically um it's called hunters because al pacino don't you know has set up a group of nazi hunters who are jewish people or at least sympathetic to the cause who are going around finding all of these like american nazis essentially um which i was like that sounds really good i think i can get into that um he's got like a full-on like diverse cast of character hunters so you've got um ted mosby from how i met your mother is playing an actor who's also a part of the hunters but he's like a well-known actor right they haven't quite rationalized how he's able to get away with being on a nazi killing squad and also in tv shows and movies doesn't (laughs) matter um you've got an english lady who's playing a nun you've got um there's a black lady from like who's kind of like black panthery type of thing uh she's in the hunters there's there's an old jewish couple who are very jewish um (laughs) and there's also a um he I, i think he's a vietnamese descent but he is american and therefore fought on the side of the Americans in the Vietnam War. So they're also exploring that. Anyway, these people have come together to kill all the Nazis in America. However, however, uh, this is going to sound like the worst criticism of all time, but because they have also have flashbacks back to the concentration camps. Mm. They made the Nazis too evil, <laughs> which I didn't think was a sentence one could ever say <laughs> but i am backed up on this point by outswitch itself which has come out against the show to say you're making them into cartoon villains you don't need to do that <laughs> hold, they hold were on. the fucking nazis the, the outswitch museum has come out and said these nazis are too evil well because okay i won't give away the the whole show it has got a very good opening scene which i don't want to spoil but because um, it's, it's also got Dylan Baker from uh, who was uh, Kurt Connors in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Oh. Um, he's in it as well. It's got a brilliant opening scene, but unfortunately, that's the high point. Um, so they, they, they I'll give you two examples. In the second episode, they're going after a, um, a Jewish guy, uh, sorry, a Nazi who was obsessed with playing chess and they found out that one of the Jews in the concentration camp, I can't remember if it's Auschwitz or, or another one, one of them is like the, the German chess champion. And he's determined to beat him. And he would keep playing this guy at chess and the, the Jewish guy would keep beating him. So eventually he set up a human game of chess in the forest with Jewish people as the pawns and the, and all the pieces. And when they captured each other, they he would force the Jews to kill the Jewish people. And, the, the Jewish chess champion was made to do it, otherwise he would be killed himself. Um, or something like that. Anyway, or, or they said they were going to kill everybody anyway, you at least have a chance to save some people. And so you see like a full sequence of like Jewish people dressed in white and black robes walking around a chess piece for Nazis. And then in the, like the second or third episode, there's then a guy who basically does Auschwitz has got talent, where he... Oh, God. Yeah where he's like a guy who's like in charge of the radio, the PA system at one of the concentration camps. And every Saturday he has a game where he gets Jewish people to sing a song. And every time they mess up, it's like in a rain robin, they take a line each 
And when they mess up, they get shot until one is left standing. Jesus Christ. And the Auschwitz Museum has come out against the show to say, you don't need to do that. They're the Nazis. They're evil <laughs> enough. You'll make none of these things happened, but you're portraying them as if they did. The show is a bit like artistic. It will sometimes have like abstract like scenes as a oh okay just just to show you how tone deaf this fucking show is. There's a bit where they're getting high. Uh, Logan Lerman and his two friends are getting high at like a, a pier like somewhere, and they burst into "Staying Alive" by the Bee Gees. Oh, and, and for no reason, they just start singing it, and the whole peers join it to follow a musical, which is then stopped dead when Logan Lehman just turns around and sees a vision of his nan as she was at the concentration camp, just looking at him, and then the music <laughs> stops. And this is the point where I was like, I- I'm okay with jumping off this show now, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but but sometimes it's okay. There are some nice action scenes sometimes, and and. You feel like with a few tweaks, there'd be a really good show here, but it's just oh god, it's so tone deaf, and it's so like and 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 like they're trying to make points about you know turning into these monsters and hunting them down like we are and just killing them in cold blood. Is that making us any better than them? Mm. And then Al Pacino has to come out with um with a um a speech that makes it okay, but there's the other problem. Al Pacino is speaking in such a thick Jewish accent that we actually have to turn the subtitles on because it's <laughs> grumbly Al Pacino with a thick Jewish accent. Al Pacino's not Jewish, so it's not like it's come naturally to him. I haven't got a fucking <laughs> oh, clue what Al Pacino has been saying. And we're now five episodes deep. So we've now had to resort <laughs> to putting subtitles on. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. The most interesting character on it is the American Nazi guy who's like actually an American who is now sympathetic to the cause and he's trying to help the Fourth Reich, which is the Nazis thing they're trying to do. Oh, uh, don't get sucked in. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> like, if there are some things wow. to enjoy about it, but just don't. Unless that sounds like your exact cup of tea and you're dealing with like tonal shifts of like horrible concentration camp stuff switching to Ted Mosby comedy, then I I would recommend giving it a pass. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit. That, that sounds wild. I, I, kind, I kind of want to watch that first episode now. But did, also... Like I said, yeah. the first scene, if you don't know what the first scene is, just skip ahead 30 seconds. I'll give you a chance to utilise that option. Um, it's... Um, they're going to so Dylan Baker plays like um, he's like a high up American like senator um, but he used to be a Nazi and the first like episode is someone um, coming up so it's it's one of his like underlings in like his office coming to a family barbecue that Dylan Baker's hosting and he's brought his new girlfriend um, and he's one and they come in and he's like oh this is my boss He's not called Dylan Baker, but we'll just call him Dylan Baker. He's my boss, Dylan Baker. And the girl just freezes. And he's like, that's the wolf of Auschwitz. And he's like, what? She's Jewish. She came from, from Germany. She's like, that's the wolf of Auschwitz right there. Fucking get him. Someone stop him. And like, Dylan Baker plays like, you know, stupid about it. And he's saying to his wife and kids, like, I, I don't know. Someone, this is, why have you brought your girlfriend here to insult me? She starts screaming. She goes to like, grab something to beat him up. Dylan Baker pulls a gun and shoots 
everybody shoot his wife, shoot his kids, shoot his neighbors, shoots um, the boyfriend, leaves only the girlfriend alive and says, you, you know how hard I've had to fucking work to get this cover, to get to the position I am. I had to sleep with this American pig and create these fucking demon children. I had to live that life so I could, you know, get my cause. I'm not having some filthy Jew ruin it. Bangs her in the head. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. This is going to be a great show. It's literally all downhill from there. Oh, God. <laughs> all downhill from there. So don't. Damn, Bobber. I think I think I'll just keep with the Americans. I think I just you, you, prefer you the know Americans. what? You know what? That's a good show. A little bit of it was like because they kind of set at the same time. I was like, if there's a crossover, I'm all in. But, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah, all of the Americans is available on Amazon Prime. Watch that over Hunters every day of the week. Americans is one of the best TV shows of the last ten years. Easily, it's yeah. fucking brilliant. Two um, of the Americans. That's a great uh, series. Oh, because um, we, we have seen the advert for the new Steve Carell one on Netflix. Um, Space uh, Force. Space Force. Yeah. Um, Beam and Siemens in it. And we both got really <laughs> oh, <God>. excited. <laughs> he popped up and we were ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that. What's uh, that have... guy's name? Noah Emmerich? Is that him? Noah Emmerich, a.k.a. Stan Beeman, a.k.a. Beam and Siemens. Um, I have one more from... Uh, amazon prime if you have any others i have a really quick one it's not i don't know what its service is on in the uk but i know that it was um it was on the history channel in america go on um the history channel seems to think that it doesn't want to do history anymore so they're making drama so that's fun um have you heard of project blue book uh in passing yeah i imagine you've heard of the actual project blue book which was the um the FBI study into uh, UFOs conducted in... Yes. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the basis for the show. So it's based on the diaries of um, J. Allen Hayek, um, who was like a doctor that was brought on to Project Blue Book to give it legitimacy. Um, and it's like... So it's a drama based around that. The guy playing um, J. Allen Hayek is Littlefinger. So it's oh. Aidan Gillen in the role. And you think that sounds awesome. It's Littlefinger exploring aliens and it's fucking not. It's oh, just, no. It's so like they it's obviously it's like they're trying to say, yeah, most of these things can be explained away. But they get I want to say two or three episodes in. It's like, yeah, there probably aren't actual aliens. And then they go, nope, there's real aliens. <laughs> so it's like they literally find a grey alien in a fucking tube. Oh. It's so ridiculous. And then the men in black happen. So, so that's just... They got Will Smith? Wow. Okay. I wish they'd actually done it as it's the full-on men in black. It's just like a secret service kind of thing. Um, there's like, for some reason, there's the, you know, like when Winter Soldier gets coded. Yes. They, they put that in. So like <laughs> the, the little finger finds this book with this code in. He says it out loud to a guy and he just straight up fucking torches himself in front of him. He like literally just like about faces, picks up a gas canister, pours it over him and chucks a match. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this show? It's oh. so ridiculous. Honestly, in terms of on the level of New Amsterdam schlock, obviously this is far in the other way. 
I, I would actually say watch this because it is so shit. It it, <laughs> it craps the bed so quickly. Do you, do you know what kind of... By the time we'd started to watch this, it was May. It, that's when the series was cancelled, May this year. Oh, wow, okay. It has two 10-episode series. I got halfway through the first one before going, okay, this is just a bit weird now. So they, they did, So the first episode is they... They explore lights in the sky. It turns out to be a weather balloon, but like the pilot has seen things and you're like, uh, okay, they're going to go into psychosis and stuff. Then they go out and they find like they, they, they go to like this small town where literally everybody is holding a gun at all times to find out if an alien crash landed and burnt the forest. It turns out that it was just a forest fire and they mistook like the fumes of like this large tree to be an alien except it was actually an alien but maybe not (laughs) just ridiculous it's so ridiculous and for some fucking reason that when you find out about the whole the men in black subplot they keep going back to this rundown fun fair where they've set up a training camp in there. <laughs> it's just the stupidest shit I've ever <sighs> seen. And then, like, for the rest of the first series, Littlefinger's having visions of the guy who burned himself. It's just, oh, it's so strange. It's so strange. It's I just ridiculous. I don't think I could ever get on board with a show where Littlefinger is the protagonist. That's just... I don't trust that man. And I will never trust that man. In every show he's ever been in, I never oh, don't trust that man. I, f- I forgot about the character that's the obvious Americans ripoff. Oh, oh yeah. God. So so whilst he's out doing cool alien things with his new army buddy, yeah. his wife just randomly stumbles into this woman in a shop who wants to be best mates with her, and she's a Russian spy. And um, it's like the most obvious Russian spy of all time. Like then she gets about three cut centers into the conversation and she's like, So what does your husband do? <laughs> <laughs> it's so obvious. And like the, there's a bit where like this guy who's gone crazy because of the coding breaks into the house and he he's like trying to say your husband's part of the problem the, the russian woman had already broken into the house to get into Littlefinger's office and she just caps a bitch oh just, just fucking straight up shoots him oh it's so dumb it's so dumb oh god all these other TV stations, they've had decades worth of writing drama, okay? The History Channel's just starting, okay? They've got to find their feet somewhere and and somehow manage to write dramas. But now I'm worried if every, like, if some Americans take everything on the History Channel as gospel, I'm now worried they're going to think this is history. That's the weird bit, is that, like, it, it also didn't help that I was watching um, documentaries about MK Ultra at the same time. Okay. Um, because I find like well, Caroline more than me finds that shit completely just sort of engorging in detail of just like the worst things the U.S. government has done. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not a, there's not a better time in the world to say that right now, is there? Um, <laughs> Do you mean that documentary, The News? <laughs> that documentary that we call reality. Um, yeah, so, so like we were watching all this MK Ultra stuff, and then we started watching this. And even with the kind of being in the mindset of you know what, all conspiracy theories aren't conspiracies. This show is just fucking ridiculous. I don't think even an American audience could look at this and think that any of it is fact. It's so stupid. Good. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> on the completely different end of things, a show that is almost too realistic. Uh, this is called This Is Us. I've mentioned it before. You have. This is like Hedge. It's got all the schlock of Jesus Hospital, but it's better acted, and I haven't had to invent my own theories about it. Um, it follows... Again, I've mentioned it before. Season four, low-key came out on Amazon Prime without anyone noticing. Um, oh, right. Because, well, it's in in America. They obviously, it's on. It's like a primetime big deal TV show. Over here, Channel 4, no, all four, all four gets it about a year after it's come out in America. Right. And that was the case with season three. Season three came out on Christmas Day last year. And we were all excited. We'd waited a year for season three, and we were quite excited. We didn't watch it on Christmas Day. We, had, we waited till Boxing Day, but watch that. And then they've just, what, six months later, they've just put season four out for the fuck of it. So we're now going to be caught up with America, which is great. Nice. Anyway, it's about it's a show about um, the Peterson family, who, and it's told over, like, different timelines. This is not a spoiler. It, it happens at the end of the first episode. You realize you're watching one family over the course of several stages of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the daddy's played by Milo um, who was in Heroes and he's also uh, Rocky's son in in uh, Rocky 6 Milo, I can't pronounce his last name you know who it is uh, Milo oh god um, Ventimiglia okay cool you know who that is right I'm going to say I do. I probably do. I'm just... I can't just type in right Milo V V E and he'll pop up on your phone and then you'll know exactly who it is. Anyway, he's the dad. Um, oh, that guy. Okay, cool. That yeah. guy. Mandy Moore is the mom. And then um, you've got... So it's their kids are kind of the, the main focus, but you also focus a lot on them as well. Uh, and the, the kids are played by Sterling K. Brown, who's been uh, in quite a few things. He was... Um, he was in Black Panther. He's the guy that gets killed at the start. That um, that is uh, Killmonger's uh, dad. Oh, uh, awesome! Cool. Yeah, that's Sterling yeah. K. Brown. He's been. He's good. He's going to be in a lot of things. He's a very, very good actor. Um, he was also in Hotel Artemis, which I haven't got around to watching yet. But uh, yeah, he's one of the kids. Uh, you wouldn't have heard of the other two, I don't think. And it's just tracking their lives, and it's. It doesn't sound like the cyber show I'd be into, really, because it's just a very straight up. It is. It can be quite funny um, because it's got um, the guy who played Taserface in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, he's right. unrecognizable, but he's like um, one of the, the he's the husband of one of the, the kids. And he's goddamn hilarious. He's really, really funny. And it can have ge- moments of genuine laugh out loud comedy in this show. Um, but it's also like a very like semi it's also a very self-serious drama most of the time as well mm. but it's just very well done and i think it overcomes the, those trappings by just being very well done it's got to the point there in season four they're so okay with jumping timelines though i imagine if you started on season four without watching the other three you would have no clue what's going on <laughs> because they're jumping around because they show so mandy moore you see her as like a kind of 19 year old about a 25 ish year old a 30-year-old with, uh, let's say, 12-year-old kids. Then they show when the kids are teenagers, so she's in her 40s. Then they show her now when she's meant to be in her 60s, 70s-ish. 
and and they do a ridiculous job of aging her up and making her look those ages. But you'd be so confused of like, why is Mandy Moore's face constantly changing? <laughs> <laughs> and who are these people and why is there so many people called randall like it just makes no sense so in the first why episode they'd so be like randalls this is way too many randalls like in the first season they'd have like big musical cues like of when they were doing it or they did they do like really big chunks of like they jump back in time for like several several scenes and then they jump forward now it's like every other scene is set in a different timeline and, and having to keep it straight in your head is a little bit of a task for me. And I've watched all the show. I'm like, right, uh, you can usually only tell by either the 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 um, <laughs> the size and shape of Milo Ventura's uh, face because he, when he's young, he has no beard. Then he went through a moustache phase and then he went through a beard phase. And you have to remember what age he's meant to be depending on his facial hair. <laughs> got, right. Okay, it's it's bearded Jack Pearson. That means we're in like the 80s and they haven't had kids yet. And when he has a moustache, like, okay, the kids are like 13 years oldish here. That's fine. Um, so it can be a bit hard to talk. But it's just, it's very well acted. It, it's obviously going for like very easy emotional heartstrings. And, and sometimes, it, it, especially season four, it feels like we, we've kind of, we're retreading some bits again. We're like, oh, we, we've done the weight problems. We've done the, oh, he likes alcohol stuff. Blah, blah, blah. But if you've got time to put into it, it is a bit of a heavy time investment. It's only about 18 episodes of series, but they're all an hour long. And it, it, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I wouldn't recommend watching more than one season, like in a month, just so you have time to recover. But if you look, if that sounds like your cup of tea, I would highly recommend it. It doesn't sound like something I'd usually be into, but it's so well crafted shit that it kind of it really works it's more than the sum of its parts let's put it that way okay fair enough right that, that I, actually sounds interesting I, I would recommend it yeah because it's like i said it's it's just that it's how good the acting is it's what really drags forward sterling k brown in particular everyone does a good job sterling k brown in particular is really good and, and it's a character i really relate to in some of like you know it's a lot about the emotional problems of people and the issues we all have growing up and, and how you get over loss and all this stuff. I really relate to his character to the point that Rachel gets really annoyed at that character. He's like, he's just doing stuff you doing. It's winding me up. <laughs> and, and I'm now seeing what your reaction would be to certain situations. And it's making me worried. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, I would recommend it as good couples watching. There's stuff in there for both of you. It's a like, when it's just it's just Mandy Moore and Milo, blah, 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 we've both admitted like we're just watching this for eye candy. We've both got someone very nice to look at, so this is <laughs> so this is great. Um, and yeah, the action's really good. There are some bits set in Vietnam, so you do get some war and stuff. Oh, so that's, that's good. Uh, the 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 season the season three episode set in Vietnam is probably my favorite episode just because there's lots of running and shooting, but it's real good um and uh yeah give it a go the, the first episode of season four again if you didn't have a clue it introduces three brand new characters that even me and rachel were like who are these people i have no <laughs> did we miss something like who the fuck and then it takes until the last five minutes until they bump into people we've already met of like okay so he's going to be going out with randall's daughter that makes sense okay i've got it now so you've got to be switched on to watch it. You can't watch it as wallpaper TV. But uh, right. if you're in the mood for that, you're in the mood for that. Um, so that's everything like substantial. Everything on Disney Plus, we've already mentioned for me, like The Mandalorian, 
Yeah, we've got a whole episode dedicated to the Mandalorian. Whole episode. I am slowly working my way through uh, the Clone Wars. Wars. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting you, my brothers. Have, have you been introduced on. to Bad Batch yet? I think so because I'm watching it in the chronological order that StarWars.com itself set out. In terms of like, I'm not watching like I watch the film and then episode one of season one, episode two. Episode yeah, one. no, no, that's, I'm the, one, watching that's the wrong way to watch it. Yeah, so I'm trying to watch it in the chronological. So I think I've been introduced to them in training, but I haven't got further than that. Yeah, um, their storyline's so good. My brother's finished it because he um, he's, he's only working. He doesn't work every day. And uh, he's got a kid who likes to nap a lot. So he's powered through the goddamn Clone Wars. Um, so I'm still stuck in season one. <laughs> I haven't got out yet, but I, I, I'm getting there. Slowly but surely, I'm getting there. Um, so, yeah, we've been watching that. Um, we've already talked about uh, the Imagineering story, which we talked about a lot on... Um, well, I talked about a lot on the uh, Pitch Nintendo Land episode, so you can go hear my thoughts over there about that. Um, uh, the, but the main TV show we've been watching over the uh lockdown has been um it's a it's a all all seasons are on uh, disney plus it's called um the the simpsons i don't know if you've heard of that sounds fairly new to me yeah 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 it's it's you know it's 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 a bit of a high concept it's like this really abstractly colored animated show um it, it's got a really weird color palette but uh yeah the first two seasons are a bit rickety but it seems like it's like the best tv show ever made um in season five so so that's good <laughs> yeah i was like i, I mean, finally got all <laughs> of them it, it could be so good that you know we perhaps quote it so much i mean i have heard from other you know better established podcasts that there is a simpsons quote for everything so you know, <laughs> yeah I, it's kind of hard to believe that i've missed it my entire life but uh yeah. so what what you're saying is all 30 seasons of that show is on uh, disney plus literally all of it and we, we we are working our way through season by season we, we've just had season five may be may be the best I, I think it may is be that, the, the, is that the season with the monorail episode because I love that episode. I I think that's season four. I think season five starts with the barbershop quartet. Oh, that's a good episode. And it's just yeah, I'm I'm compiling the the list of the top ten best Simpsons episode is it's it's hard it's it's a high four it's high stakes type of gamble. I've already got thirteen options for my top ten, so I'm gonna have to cut something I really like to do this. But uh, it's funny that you're doing it chronologically because we've watched a couple of the Simpsons episodes. We've actually been watching more Futurama than the Simpsons, but we've done this thing where it's like, right, pick a number between one and 30 and then pick a number between one and 25. And that's what we're watching. So oh, wow. um, the other night we ended up with the episode where the hurricane comes through and destroys Flanders house. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was really good. And you, you're the worst of them all. Wow. I got up pretty lightly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, it's it's the the hallway where Barney's in the master bedroom, and it's the door is the size of his eye. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, it's just it's just reaffirmed it's the best. I'm worried you did it in the wrong order. We should have worked backwards because then we we get the show gets progressively better. I'm worried we're going to get past the point where the show's just going to get progressively worse. You're going to get to so, the Lady Gaga episode and be like, this oh, is a lost cause. I've seen the Lady Gaga episode. It is the worst fucking thing. But right now we're in the golden period, so everything's rosy. I'm just, I'm really worried about the principal and the pauper because that's the point where everyone goes like, it's downhill from here, lads. It's still good for a while, but it's, it's, you're past the peak now. 
Oh god, yeah, that episode. Although it do, I, I do like um, Skinner going away on the bike in that episode. That's up the, o- the only children. good gag. That's the only good gag is up yours, children. I I like that episode. I don't mind it, but I just know that like critically and like scientifically proven to be like the end of like it's all it's all downhill from here. There's no. I I have heard for many years because I abandoned watching New Symptoms at least ten or fifteen years ago. I've heard from people like there are some gems to be found later on of like genuinely good episodes that you can have. But I, I just, I'm not looking forward to it. I don't know if we're ever actually going to finish this quest. Because um, we have finished others. Just real quickly to touch on movies. We have finished all of Marvel was watched in lockdown. Wow, well We done. watched all that. Um, we were considering chucking in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the TV shows. And I was like, we ain't got enough time. Turns out we did. But um, <laughs> I was like, I, I'm not ready to go through the first half of season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. Oh, it's a dark time. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, Graviton Graviton is the saving grace of that first series. Oh, yeah, the second the Hydra stuff kicks off, it's great. And it is a good TV show now and has been for a while. But, God, it took a while to get going. Um, So we've watched all of Marvel. We've watched all four Indiana Jones movies. um, Because it turned out Rachel had never seen Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I was like, if I'm going to show you that, I'm going to have to watch good Indiana Jones first to build up to it. Um, <laughs> to show you why it's shit exactly and then we also watched um we, we also watched jurassic park again all the jurassic park films because uh, she she wanted to do it and i was like i made you watch jurassic park only in january on my birthday do you really want to do that again she was like yes i was like i am never going to complain about watching that movie again so we've watched uh, she'd never seen i spared her jurassic park three so we also purged that um because <laughs> we're now in a weird situation with doing the pixar movies when it's like, you know, we're going to have to watch Cars at some point, right? Oh, that's not, yeah, a fun time. Like, not a fun time. You know, at some point we're going to have to watch Cars 2, right? <laughs> like, oh, it's like, you know, at some point we're going to have to watch Cars 3, right? Uh, so, <laughs> you know, at some point you're going to have to rewatch Inside Out. Oh, I know. Good dinosaurs coming as well. Oh, God. God. So we, 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 we've watched the first Cars. We got through that. We're about to watch. We're pulling off watching Toy Story three because we don't want to finish that and then have to face Cars two. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this of our own free will. We could just skip it, but I'm like, I've seen Cars two. I know it's terrible. We could potentially skip that one. I've never seen Cars three, and I feel like I need to watch it for completionist sake because that's the only <laughs> Pixar movie I've not seen. So yeah. I'm like, I might wait for. Good. I was like, the second you go back to work, if I'm still working from home, I think that's the day I'm going to watch Cars three. When no one else is here, no one needs to know. I'll just, <laughs> I'll get it Who done. Who has okay. to know? Please, when you watch Cars three, just sing that the entire way through. He's sleeping. Dogs will hunt life. Oh. I'll keep you, my dirty little kerchief. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's now going to improve my watching of Cars 3. Thank you, Michael. Much appreciated. Uh, so, so, genuinely, it took until last night for me to watch a brand new film that I hadn't seen before, and it was Maleficent Mistress of Evil. Oh, and I had to watch this for my Oscar run. There is a... 
Oh, it was nominated for the hair and makeup one, wasn't it? It was, and it didn't win. Did you enjoy the fairy gas chamber? <laughs> <laughs> that fucking film is just bizarre. It's mad. Bizarre. And it also continues the, str- the streak of we can't put Ed Screen in a normal role. We have to do oh. something weird to him. <laughs> He's just got one of those weird faces where it's like... It's like um, Benicio del Toro. Like you've got such an odd face. We're just going to use that for any odd character we need. But uh, <laughs> oh god, I know. I, I I did try and keep my concentration, but it's very hard, particularly when Warwick Davis turns up. Oh god, here we go again. Uh, yeah. That being said, I don't think I particularly minded some of the action. It was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't like, but the final scene at least had a sense of grand scale. To yes, it. it did. I'll give it the best bit. However, is that the dad from my family turns up as the king? Oh God! Yeah, and he's, I and he's married that. to he's married to the um to the white gold Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm like, how did this happen? <laughs> oh God, Robert Lindsay, is that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh fucking Christ! <laughs> I forgot about that. What? How the hell did he get this part? <laughs> like he's the uh, it's weird though because they've all got english accents despite the fact it's entirely cast by americans other than robert lindsay <laughs> yeah but michelle pfeiffer can do it i mean there's a reason she's the white gold you know oh, yeah. yeah she can do it she's got a good she does a good evil queen she should be fair the english accents are pretty consistent by all three of the leading women i'll give him that but just that casting decision of, like to be fair, he's only in like two scenes and for he's probably very good because he was told he was going to be married to Michelle Pfeiffer, but then only gets to kiss her when he's unconscious and it's a quick peck. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can't I just make out with a little bit? Do some, just a little few kissing scenes from Michelle Pfeiffer. And they're like, no, <laughs> get in the bed. Oh, I'm getting to bed with Michelle Pfeiffer. No, just you. Get in the bed. <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange film. I can't, I, I'm, yeah. So hopefully we will start watching other films that we haven't seen before. Uh, but no, that's kind of my, that's it for me in films and TV show. Other than last week tonight has been great during lockdown. Uh, oh God, the search for the rat erotica. Oh, the rat erotica saga. I'm not going to give you any more context than that. Just go and <laughs> go and look up last week tonight's rat erotica and you'll be, <laughs> you'll be happy. That was one of the highlights of my lockdown was him finally, you know, yeah. completing that storyline. He's, it's just been He's got obviously. I thought they'd cancel it, but he, there's just too much good stuff for him to talk about. That he that it's just good to have it there to cleanse what happened yeah. in the last week tonight. It is, it is absolutely needed. It's uh, it's been a, it's obviously not been as good. I don't want to be that that person who's like the laugh track helps, but I think it's it's far less awkward when you know you're not the only one laughing. It's yeah. not it's not like Four Lions where I can happily be the only one. <laughs> when I saw Four Lions, I was like one of two people in the screening. And, and I, I was in... the I was the other person. Oh yeah, it was you I saw it with, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Meeting you on a Saturday morning. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> but two was... lads going to watch the terrorism comedy. <laughs> but that was fine. I feel awkward like being the only one laughing at John Oliver at home. Like no, it's a bit I... I agree. I, I, yeah, it's, it doesn't come with the same quality that watching four lines for everyone else did. Because uh, for like two weeks, that was our little secret. That was our like little, well, we, well we've seen this actual. <laughs> no, we can't keep <laughs> referencing oh. the old American rejects. Damn it. 
damn it all. That's me done for TV and film. So I, uh, if you've got anything else you would like to mention, please do. Here's a one-line review of the original Star Wars from my fiance. She fell asleep before Obi-Wan died. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you need to work on that, though, Michael. It is, it is imperative. The, the that fact you... that the thing is, we've got to restart that film now. She hasn't done it properly. She woke up, the Death Star was being blown up. I'm like, you've missed the film. Like, we've got to start again. Okay. You've got, <laughs> what you got to do, this is how you do it, right? This is, this is how I mentioned it. I actually managed to do it by kidnapping Rachel. That sounds a bit much. We went to Manchester for like a long weekend and it pissed it down. But thankfully, a smart person had bought a laptop and the DVD. So we just watched it in bed in the <laughs> Premier Inn. Uh, so that was great. But uh, if you're not at capable, of, right now, you're not capable of kidnapping anybody. So you haven't got that option. What you do is you cook them a nice meal. And you promise them that after you watch one episode of Star Wars, you will watch whatever film they want to watch. No questions asked. That's why I had to watch Burlesque. But it was a price I was willing to pay because it got Star Wars done. And then wow, you once you get him, Burlesque. Yeah, no. once you get him through Empire, I, 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 I felt that there was a bit more of like a, um, what's it called? A connection to characters. They actually want to see what happens to them. So then you're good. Then, you, then you've got to navigate the minefield of the prequels. That's... That's the real... Oh, that's... speaking of, I watched a fan edit of Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah? It's really good. Like, it just flat out makes it an excellent film. Huh. I mean, they, they keep all the bits you'd want to keep. So the pod race is almost entirely intact. The Jewel of the Fates is almost entirely intact. Is that they it? Just... <laughs> it's just those two parts. I mean, yeah. I mean, they make the ground war between the Gungans and the droids look cool. Like, they cut out Ooh. all of Jar Jar's bullshit and they just keep the cool good scenes in it. Okay. Like, it's really... like Honestly, I would recommend watching the fan edits. They are so good. They get rid of all the um, dated 90s racism. They get rid of the bad scenes with Jake Lloyd being Jake Lloyd. Uh, yeah, it's just a better experience up and down. It basically makes it so that the main character is Qui-Gon Jinn, and I'm okay with that. Hell yes. Quiggy for life. Yeah. I love that. Right. Um, so we can now move on to what was going to be the meat of this, but has now taken us an hour to work our way around. Oh, God. It's been, it's been a long 10 weeks, Darren. It has been. But I feel like this is where you're going to be taking the, the, the lion's share, because for video games of lockdown, I've mainly been replaying stuff. Yeah. Now, I'll start with just a question. Um, you've got PlayStation Plus, right? I have. So have you been playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 that came out for free this month? I haven't yet, just because I've already played the campaign. Uh, my brother had it on Steam when it came out, so I just played the campaign on PC. Mm. So I've done that bit. And it looks like Call of Duty World War 2 does not give you the option to add it into your library. It's just a straight download. So I'm prioritizing oh, is Call it? of Shit. Duty. Yeah. So I'm prioritizing Call of Duty World War 2, which I'm going to do first. And then hopefully find some time to get Battlefront in before Last of Us 2 comes out uh, a week Friday. Okay, well, we can at least discuss the campaign and then I can talk about I can base, I can give a one one sentence review of the multiplayer. Yeah, it's absolutely. it's actually actually really fun. Now there's no pay to win. There you go. Yeah, now, now the system is balanced. Out. I presume that was going to be the, the the outcome is that everything's kind of fun to play now so yeah, i am the, looking the matchmaking still terrible you're still ah. getting put into games with people who've got fully upgraded star cards when you've just started ah. which ain't great but the more you play the more you get kind of in the zone it's exactly like it's kind of got the same effect titanfall 2 had once you get down the rhythm it is really easy to be good at that game to prove that 
I've come second in two matches. I'm crap at these games. I came oh, wow. second in two matches. So it's going well. I mean, I am using the Republic Commando because they're overpowered to shit. But, you know, that's that's just how it goes. So the story, though, it was it's the first one to have a story since the last Battlefront 2. Yeah. Um, this one is obviously now the, the Battlefront 2 was following the campaign of the Clone Wars, which technically is still canon. Like yeah. that that conquest mode in the PS2 version is still canon technically. This one is taking place after um, Return of the Jedi, so it follows Iden Versio, who's a member of Inferno Squad, which is kind of like a a small crack team of stormtroopers who are just really good at infiltration, mm-hmm. um, and how how the downfall of the Empire affects them as a as a crew. Which I've got to say was flawed, but I did enjoy it. it is, I just kind of wish it had stuck to, like, again, it, it's been a while since I've played it through, but it, it was pitched as like, this is the Empire story, and you're going to be playing as a stormtrooper, and it's going to be amazing. That lasts for about three missions. Yeah. And... You, you... You do the mission where you go to like a world that the Empire have just decided they want to blow up. Yeah. And then you're on the side of the rebels. And exactly. And it's fine enough, but the story doesn't actually really fully hit a stride until the last mission where you're obviously not a stormtrooper anymore. I yeah, gotta say exactly. the Battle of Jakku in that game, that was awesome. Yeah. But I'll everything up leading up to it. There was a lot of really annoying missions. The worst one is in they added um, they added a three mission epilogue to it mm. that leads directly into um, I think it's directly into last last Jedi, right? Um, and the last mission of that is the worst fucking thing. It's just it does not prepare you for the wave upon wave of enemies you've got to deal with in a room where you have no cover. Ah. that was a grind i really hated that and also it kind of it robs the story of its good ending right i actually kind of liked where it ended because it's like the reason we've never heard of inferno squad is because they weren't around for that long Mm -hmm. which i enjoy and then they do the epilogue and it kind of ruins it like it really does have you played the epilogue at all uh no i haven't right um do i spoil it Go ahead. Right, okay. Spoiler alert! Um, so, the epilogue opens... You know Dell? Uh, Dell. It's, it's, so it's, it's the bloke who stays with Aiden when she goes to the Rebels. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so he just gets killed by Hask, who is the other guy who stays uh, with the right. Empire. And it's just, I'm with the First Order now. I found you. You're dead. But leave the ship so that she knows where to, to, to come and find me. And then you go there and you kill him and then it's done. And that's it. It's real shit. Ah. Fun. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish there was more to it than that, but it's a three-mission epilogue and it's it's very shallow. It introduces Aiden and Dell's daughter. Um, and then and then it does the, the cardinal sin that um, Rise of Skywalker wants to do all the time, which is you think she's dead and then she's not. So, uh, right, oh, okay. God, it's it's not great. The game peaked with the Battle of Jakku. Honestly, 
play through the story just for the Battle of Jakku mission, which is great, and then just go straight into the multiplayer. But make sure you squad up with people because the multiplayer is far better when you're communicating with people. When you're actually strategizing, it's genuinely fun. Lovely. I, I like I said, I do intend to get to it, but uh, it's probably going to be like, it may fill the time between The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. It's probably when I'm going to get to that because I don't know how long the Call of Duty campaign is. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to replaying it just just because I, I think that mechanically that game is fine. It's just the storyline shoots a bit. And I think everyone would have actually been okay if they just remade the story from Battlefront 2 and you were the 501st again. Well, this is it. But they, they reintroduce all the Galactic Republic stuff into that game after the yeah. controversy. And it actively improves the game like the the fact that you can do the prequel missions with the prequel characters and there's more depth of customization with with the clones that's what makes that game fun it does and it's that's the other thing that actually ends up with them being on the side of the empire so it actually fulfills the promise this one was meant to so that but anyway um no so well, PSN's been a bit hit and miss with what they put it because obviously everyone was raging last month with Farm Simulator and City Skyline, um, which I got into. But admittedly, I had spent at least the first month of lockdown on a simulation game. It was one with dinosaurs in it, which is the best type of simulation game. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this time wisely. I'm going to get me that goddamn platinum on Jurassic Park uh, Evolution. Because all the DLC had finally been released, including the 93 pack, which I was very excited about. Nice. Um, so I went back and finished that. So it, I think it came out on PS... It was a PS Plus game at one point, I think. I got it on Games with Gold on the Xbox. I'm not sure whether it was on ah, PS Plus. I feel like it has been. And I was like, oh, um, I think they, put, they might have put it out just before the first DLC pack happened. Um, but it is if you haven't got if you have got it like just sat in your library somewhere i can recommend it i don't know if you're going to get as much out of it as jurassic park superfan darren guthridge did but it's it's got a nice balance now they've, they've worked out a lot of the kinks it had initially um and uh put it this way rachel's also played it a lot and she's also completed all the dlc because she found it very fun as well um it's your basic park builder simulator it's nothing more advanced than that, but it's just a pleasant way to be to just build your little island and occasionally everything breaks down into chaos and you have to shoot some dinosaurs. It's <laughs> wonderful. Occasionally. The, the, occasionally. The main reason I wanted to go back was it turns out I wasn't actually that far off the platinum. I just had to do some some. I had to do a lot of grinding to get there. Of of uh, you have to you get contracts off of your entertainment division, your security division, and your science division. And to platinum you have to max out all three of those across all five islands, which took about two weeks to do. It's just it's just a lot of repetitive grinding of like, okay, I'll build a new power station and then delete it, yada yada blah blah. Um, the main reason I want to play because there's three DLC. The first one is uh, the Doctor Wu expansion, which introduced a lot of hybrids into the game. Um, so that's where you get you get the, the important storyline ones like the Indominus Rex and the Indoraptor are in the normal campaign. But this one introduced like uh, a spinosaurus, a, a spinosaurus cross with a raptor. You get a triceratops cross with a stegosaurus, and an ankylosaurus mixed with an apatosaurus. No, a diplodocus. Sorry. Um, so you get some hybrids to play around with. 
they're quite fun. Um, and then in the second DLC, Claire's Sanctuary, it's set. Uh, it's like an alternative version of what happened in Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, where they actually do get the dinosaurs off the island. So the first bit you're playing with the volcano literally erupting around you. And you are like in a race against time to save as many dinosaurs as you can. And then you've got to set up the sanctuary as it would have been in the film had it not all gone to shit. Uh, and then I really wanted the 93 DLC and I waited to reinstall the game until it came out because it's basically a non-canon Jurassic Park 1.5. Nice. As close as it can be to canon. It isn't because of a few things, but... It's what if they actually went back and they saved the original Jurassic Park and got it up and running again? I'm like, oh, oh baby, give me that shit. And they also <laughs> got Sam Neill and Laura Dern back. And they already had Jeff Goldblum. So they have all three of them back. They got the world's best Richard Attenborough impersonator back as well to do John Hammond. It's so good. It's just nice to hear them all bickering with each other and talking. I, I, it's, it's the main part. I was just doing stuff so I could hear more dialogue from them. So they would pop up with missions to tell me about things. And it's so satisfying because I built my Jurassic Park and it all worked and I, I had it movie accurate and I was so happy. Oh, so happy. Um, so, yeah, if, if you've got that sitting in your library, you may not have the patience to play through as much as I did, but it is genuine. It has a nice way of drip feeding you the rewards at a nice pace. So there's always a new dinosaur you can get. There's always you know something in the offing that you're building towards. And then just before you get to the, not that new dinosaur, a new building will be available to you, something new you can start working on. It just keeps you in a very nice cycle of like, I want to play this a bit more. Fair enough. That's that's good stuff. This is this is going to be weird. Um, <laughs> okay, so like you were talking about um, sort of games that are like, it, it involves nature and preservation, right? Mm-hmm when it comes to that and the second you said richard attenborough i forgot about the game that me and caroline invented during lockdown which has given us more more fun that i'm prepared to admit to okay so it's uh it's it's just like it's just a like a thought experiment game but it doesn't really have a title outside of would you forgive david attenborough so, <laughs> I, for, I forgot about this so like <laughs> So what it is, like, one person thinks of a violent act and the other person thinks of an animal. You then say it out loud and then talk about if you would forgive David Attenborough if he did that. So, for example, (laughs) (laughs) so if David Attenborough booted a penguin, would you forgive him? And then you can have that conversation and then you award points to David Attenborough for more things that he can get away with and you'd still think he's cool. (laughs) So David Attenborough is being tried for war crimes in the (laughs) <laughs> yeah. destroying it's, all the polar bears would you say like, <laughs> yes yeah, like how much how much stuff could david ever get away with because of who he is <laughs> because of the things that he's done if he i don't know like <laughs> i'm trying to think of one now if he like punched a meerkat ah. it's like yeah i'd probably let him get away with that you know for all the stuff he's done for all the <laughs> but like, you can just keep escalating it and the more obscure animals you think of the more of a quandary it becomes so, so like, you can you can say like wow. if you launched a missile barrage on an orca whale it's like yeah i probably wouldn't like that but also if he could do that fair play you know <laughs> at his age you know it's just about getting you know it's taking it one day at a time if he's found time in his day to 
to nuke the whales, then, you know, <laughs> I, I think we can find it in our hearts to forgive <laughs> If he entered in gladiatorial wow. combat with a bear and won, it's like, yeah, I, I think I'd give him that. You know, through sand in the bear's eyes. Well, yeah, that's not great, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. That's, I mean, the closest we've come to a game is just desert island crisps. So we haven't even. <laughs> so this is a bit less nuanced. Uh, I mean, for, for, for the for the record, it would be um, if you can only eat three. The rules were you can only eat three types of crisps for the rest of your life. You are not allowed the same flavour and you're not allowed the same brand more than once. So I obviously went with um, Chili Heat Wave Doritos would be Good there. Um, I'm taking it. it. Also, you could have discontinued crisps. So I'm taking the Kettle Crisp Hoisin Duck um, and Spring Onion flavour. Oh, they were good. They were so goddamn good and then they got rid of them and now everyone's trying to be pretend they're all racing to be the new hoisting duck flavor and mm. none of them are as good as the kettle ones i am so goddamn good they went away um and then my third choice was i, I was like i had to narrow it down from a big list which also included both roast beef and flaming hot monster munch they were both there mm. and in the conversation but i had to go with um thai sweet chicken mccoy's because they're one of the few McCoys that are very nice tasting and don't have milk in. Because, unfortunately, flamgirl steak does, so I can't eat a lot of them. So shame. I had to balance that out and go with the one that is the best tasting that also has no whey powder in. So that's my desert island crisps. So <laughs> it's a bit less nuanced than would you forgive David Attenborough, but you know, <laughs> equally as fun, equally open for debate. Uh, <laughs> we're going to play desert island crisps later. I implore you to... Try. It, it has to be a two-person game because one has to think of the violent act and one has to think of the animal. Um, I know that you you would pick some cracking animals. Just let just let Rachel <laughs> like just think of all the most depraved nonsense. But she's <laughs> not a very violent person, but maybe she is, and I just haven't given her the outlet to express it. So this might this might be you know a very um, informative discussion. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you do some bad things to otters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Oh, I'm so pre. I wanted to make a. We've still got time in lockdown. I kind of want to make like, you know, like like how you like we we did all that massive list of things for disagreements all those years back. Yes, yes, yes. Turn that into a random generator that picks an act and an animal, and you click a button, and it gives you the thing. It's like, would you forgive David oh. Attenborough? Yes, no. I'm thinking more like tabletop version. You get a list of violent acts a list of subjects of those violent acts and a list of perpetrators like cards <laughs> against you and you just draw three random ones like it doesn't have to necessarily be david attenborough but he's the ideal person but it could be like would you forgive patrick stewart for sodomizing a t-rex and you're like oh well <laughs> <laughs> absolutely next question 100 <laughs> i forgive that man for sodomizing me so that's fine <laughs> <laughs> I would invite him to son of a <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, Michael, you've done it again. <laughs> These days are alive. Be oh, happy, oh, happy days. days. <laughs> Simpsons quote for everything, which I'm discovering now for the first time. Yes, uh, <laughs> you can also do that. There is a Pokemon equivalent of would you forgive Professor Oak for that? Oh, God, yeah, there is. Oh, we've already thought of the first expansion. Good Lord. <laughs> See, there's... <laughs> infinite room for scope the thing is if you were going to do it where it's not just david attenborough anymore you'd have to call it like would you ever forgive me which unfortunately is already a film so yeah. that's no good 
Which you uh, forgive Professor Oak for racially profiling a ho-ho. Um, <laughs> the, the image of Professor Oak on top of the tin tower just yelling <laughs> profanities at a ho-ho. <laughs> you gold prick. <laughs> Coming over here, dropping your feathers. Resurrecting air dogs. There's air dogs to resurrect you, bitch. This is what it's okay. Just... <laughs> yeah, this is what <laughs> <laughs> over rainbows. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay. All dogs matter, ho ho. All dogs matter. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. God. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to steer away from this. We're gonna have to steer. We're too white. We need to get away. From yep, this. Yep, <laughs> yep. Oh God. <laughs> It's all parody. Art is a parody. lie. Nothing is real. Um, <laughs> back Quickly. to video games. Talk, talk a bit safer video games, please, God. Oh, okay. Uh, what else have I been playing? Oh, God, what else have I been playing? I've, I've been playing a lot of games on Xbox Game Pass, which I think is a fantastic service, as I've talked about before. Um, I played through Gears of War, and I got to the eighth mission, where you then have to defend a, des- a descending platform with nothing but one fabricator where you can only get like two sentry turrets and i put it on hardcore mode because i was feeling spicy uh and i'm not playing gears of war 4 anymore so that's good (laughs) it's a really good game and i was doing really well but i got so frustrated i think there's 12 chapters and i'm on chapter eight so i've seen a lot of that game i'm 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 content with that um and i just and i wanted to get gears of war 5 because that's the newest one um but then uh, I remember that the Halo Master Collection exists, and now I'm going through that. Um, oh. The save states on that game, good fucking God. I forgot how frequently and annoyingly that game saved behind you. Oh, right, okay. It's good because it keeps a sense of forward momentum, but like, I I'm, think I'm still trapped in like one of the final missions of Halo 1. Because it's saved behind me when I had no fucking bullets left and nothing. Oh no, I tell like I had one pistol with ten rounds and a grenade. Right. And that's it. That's all I've got. So I'm having to like lob this grenade to stop the things that are rushing me so I can run over to a turret and hopefully have enough time to turn it round to aim at them before I get blown up by rocket launchers. Now you've given me an idea because hand on heart, I've never played Halo all Gears of War, because I've never had an Xbox. Mm. I am looking at an Xbox right the fuck now. There is one in my house now. Uh. And I am, because I'm, I'm pricing up at the minute, I'm, I'm good to go because, uh, like I said, Last of Us 2 is uh, a week Friday. Um, and then you've got a better, it will take me a better month to get through that, I think, before Ghost Shima comes out. Plus yeah. the Pokemon DLC. So I'm good for now. But then there will be a gap between Ghost of Shima and cyberpunk which i'm 50 50 whether i'm going to be getting that because i just didn't enjoy the witcher 3 which is on my list to try again so i'm going to give it another go Mm. i'm 50 50 on and then after that it's assassin's creed valhalla or anything that gets announced this month as everyone scrambles to replace what they were going to announce at E3. Oh, yeah, we probably should have said this about an hour and a half ago, but the only reason we're doing this episode is because the PS5 launch got fucking delayed again. Yeah, we were going to do that. I appreciate why they did it, and I think it was a, a good stance for them to take of saying, like, 
there's more important things in the world right now i mean oh yeah yeah i understand exactly why they've done it it was just it really fucked us over for an episode it did we were we were all geared to have a very long episode today talking about all the nuances of that and then there's no nuance and they still haven't announced when it's going to happen but i think they're waiting for they're waiting for civil unrest to die down so it might it might be 2022 before we get the ps5 announcement (laughs) sorry about that um but what I'm saying is, I'm now looking for a way to fill that gap between Gojushima ending and uh, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla coming out. Yeah. I was re- planning on playing The Witcher 3 and replaying um, Horizon Zero Dawn because all the research we put in to do the P- pitch the PS5 pitch last week, I kind of want to play uh, Horizon Zero Dawn again. Rachel's never played it. I think we could play through that together. That might be quite nice because um, we enjoy playing through The Last of Us together. So I think. Horizon Zero Dawn might be a good one. Mm. Now I'm thinking, do I pivot and get the Master Chief collection and the Gears of War collection and finally play them as a as a nice a nice way to kind of find? I I use lockdown to finally watch The Godfather. I might use lockdown to also finally play Halo. Honestly, I would say go for Halo first, just because that Master Chief collection really. I mean, it's. <sighs> It's weird because it, it bundles all the games together, including Halo 3 ODST and Halo Reach, ah. which are obviously aren't numbered sequels. It goes one through four plus those two. Um, oh, it's got four. I thought it was just the first three. Has he got four as well? Yep. Halo one through four and then ODST and Reach. Oh, wow. But okay. in, like, in release order, that's, that's, that is how it was released. It was one through three, ODST, Reach, four. Right, okay. um, and then five, obviously, but I've not played five. I, I can't talk about that. Um, but Gears of War is a little bit different, so they've not actually released Gears of War two or three in an wow. Xbox One capacity. They've got that system's got fantastic backwards compatibility in that you can just launch and play Xbox three hundred and sixty games. That's awesome. Right. You can actually launch and play Xbox original games if you've got a three hundred and sixty hard drive to connect to. Ah. which is a bit shit but yeah i understand what they're doing but with gears of war they did an anniversary edition of the first one which obviously is the best way to play gears of war one and then you've got to go and downscale to the best two games in that series which is gears of war two and three and you've got to play the xbox 360 version Uh. which is a bit of a shame they're great games don't get me wrong gears of war two is my personal favorite um I mean, I don't know how good five is yet, but based on four, the peak of the series is two. Three is a really good ending. Four is like, okay, this is different, and I'm not sure. Well, it's different, and also, it's 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 the Force Awakens effect. It's they've added enough different stuff for it to be sold as a numbered sequel, but they are retreading the first game almost entirely. Right. Okay. But at least Halo actually changed things up and stuck with it, regardless of what the fans thought. So that's something. Lovely. I'm gonna. I. I, I really. Now you've mentioned that, that. That I thought it was just the first three, so I'm now hankering to play the Halo collection. So that might scratch an itch. I'm gonna put that on the list. Um. So. So my big time dump. Well, because I said I've been replaying a few things. Mm. Um. Halo. Um. I. I. So I replayed Spider Man. Um, it's entire because I was like, that's gonna be nice, and I got to do it in the Future Foundation suit. Yes, nice. Other than the obviously, everyone likes the Venom alternative. I think the Future Foundation is his best alternative costume 
that Spider-Man's ever had. That's just me. I just really like that fucking thing. Um, so I played for the entire campaign as that and did all the DLC, DLC as well. Um, oh, I, have, I haven't finished the Silver Lining one yet. I need to do that. Uh, the Silver Lining is the weakest of the three because it just it doesn't introduce anybody new. It just kind of reintroduces Silver Sable into the Hammerhead Black Cat situation. Yeah, the first two episodes are really good. The Hammerhead episode was great. That boss fight was awesome. It is, it is pretty good. And I am looking forward to the pitch episode of Pitch the Spider-Man sequel. Yeah, um, boy. But that's not going to be like a, that's going to be a big one. Um, so, so I went to replay that. Um, uh, that came after Jurassic Park Evolution. I then was finally going to dip my toe into Bloodborne and made it five minutes into the game before I just, I could not figure out how to get out of this stupid cemetery. And, and I eventually got out and then just, kept getting murdered i'm like i'm not in the mood for this i need something to be <laughs> this is not for me if i'm only gonna have like limited game time this is something i need a lot to get good at and i just haven't got that at the moment i mean if i was furloughed i'd be hella into bloodborne but yeah. i i just i have limited time so this is why i felt replaying game was the way to go then steep came on playstation plus and i was like rachel likes skiing i've never been skiing this might be okay uh it's fine but it i i kind of see why it needed ssx tricky levels of insanity to make a good snowboarding game because otherwise it's incredibly dull well it's just it's very hard like you you're not really because it's jumping off like snow slopes as opposed to like actual ramps so you jump and i feel like i'm not doing over the you get three options you can either spin on the horizontal axis spin on the vertical axis or grab the board and it seems like if you do any more than one rotation, he'll start going shit, 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 and then crash and then die, and you've got to restart again. <laughs> but then you've also got to score a lot of points if you want to get gold medals and stuff. So I just haven't found it fluid enough. It needs it's it's too Gran Turismo when it needs to be more Need for Speed, if you get what I mean. Yeah, like I, I understand that. It's veering too much down the realistic route that it's kind of sucking the fun out of. It's a silly snowboarding game. So I, I keep dipping my toes in when I'm like, I'm waiting for games to install, like I was with Call of Duty World War II at the weekend. I was like, oh, I'll play a bit more of Steep. And I made maybe three runs before I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, so I decided it came out, uh, PlayStation just keep having different sales. They've turned into DFS. I've just, there's a new sale <laughs> format every week. Oh God, um, they really have. Because they had, they had like a, a, a the Easter sale, then the Easter sale went into the Hidden Gems sale. Now it's the Days of Play sale. So there's a lot of good three cheap games. But in the Hidden Gems one, I was like, I've waited for Subnautica to come onto PlayStation Plus for ages. Because I'm like, that is just a game that screams this is going to be on the PlayStation Plus free to play at some point. And it just hasn't happened. And I'm like, you know what? It's only 14 quid. It's not like you're spending money on anything else. Just buy the goddamn thing, Darren, all right? Just, just, just get it. I'm very happy that I did, but that is a game with some problems. Yeah, I, I've this is also on the Game Pass, so I have played this a little bit, but I could not get into it. So the premise is you are on like a, it's it's half past the future, and you're working for like um, <laughs> you're working for like a an interstellar. It's never really described what the Altaria company is it's kind of like it's just um oh what's it called what's the star trek company called 
uh, the Federation of Planets. Yeah, that. You're working for the Federation, basically. You're just exploring. Um, and you wake up whilst your big spaceship is crashing and you're in one of the um, escape pods. You launch out, you get knocked out, and you wake up on this planet. It's got like a, a, a numbers designation, like an alien. Um, it doesn't actually get a name. You wake up in your escape pod, you pop out the hatch, and you see that the, you see your crash ship in the in the in front of you. It's like miles away, and you are in a planet that is entirely sea. At least it appears that way, anyway. And it's like oh fuck, and it's it's a survival type of game where you have to um, take whatever resources you can find in the environment to build stuff. You're given like a Star Trek fabricator at the start that can just make whatever you need to as long as you give it the right ingredients that all happen to be on the planet um but you've never been to so you can like if you get um copper and some of these like acidic mushrooms you put them together you get a battery it's that type of rub stuff together to make new stuff um it's not as obscure as those games can be where it doesn't really give you that information you can also go to other crashed escape pods you were the only one that survived by the look of things so you don't move into any other human characters. But you can like go to their ship, scan stuff with your scanner, get new blueprints, which means you can build more stuff, and that's how it kind of escalates up um, to the end goal of getting you off the planet. And the positives are, it's a very well-designed place. Um, I remember watching Yatsi's review on Zero Punctuation of it, and he said, the thing I like most about it is it seems like a world that could not give two shits about you. And would carry on regardless if you were there or not. You are not the most important thing happening here. And that's very true. It's, it's, it, it feels like a truly alien planet that just does not care about you whatsoever and will try and kill you at any opportune moment. Uh, the creature design is very good. The layout is pretty good. It doesn't ever give you like a map of like to be able to scan things out, but it's kind of there's different biomes. So you'll, you'll have your safe bit where you land in at the start that's got some of the, the easier materials to get your basic stuff. But then you have to start venturing further and further out into like a place that's got like these really tall seaweed strands. And you've got a place that's full of these mushroom trees. You go over there, there's a load of red kelp everywhere. And there's like sand sharks you got to look out for. And further and further out. But then there's also the depth. To begin with, you can only go to a depth of about 100 meters. You get a better suit. You can go to 200 meters. You eventually build the submarine, 300. You get depth upgrades to that. You can go deeper and deeper. You eventually build the big goddamn submarine and like the little um, exo, um, what's it called, the mech suit that you can build as well that sits inside of it that can go down even deeper than that. But of course, the deeper you go, the weirder and bigger the creatures get that really want to kill you. Like those goddamn psychic octopuses. Those <laughs> fucking Excuse things. me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're psychic octopuses. Uh, the biggest... You, you thought 2020 had a lot of options for bitch of the year. This thing takes the goddamn cage because, oh, it just comes up to you. It can teleport you and teleport you out of your submarine and they just start hacking at you with these little pins of things. And one... Because a lot of it is randomised. So where you land, it's within, like, a certain area, but it's randomised, which means going on YouTube to, like, where do I find this? They can't give you exact coordinates because everyone spawns in a different location. Enemies also spawn in different locations, and it spawned right next to my base that I built, uh, oh, next God. to like an advanced base. So every time I went there, I had to like zoom in as fast as possible in the submarine, going like Mach 4, so this thing couldn't try and attack <laughs> me before I got inside the base. So that was irritating, but it's got a nice scale of like how it kind of, to begin with, it's very good at kind of pulling you in the right directions. You'll get every like 
as time passes in the game, the longer you play it, more radio messages will pop up of like other distress signals that point in the direction of a crash site, which are all conveniently located next to new items. So you need to dig up new areas, you need to look into and stuff like that. Eventually, it stops holding your hand. And that's when I have to start consulting a lot of Wikipedia guides and YouTube videos, because that's where it, it, the flaws start coming in. It, later on in the game, it gets very obscure where very hard to find resources are to get. So at one point, you need to get uh, nickel ore. And I had no clue where this is. It's not like Breath of the Wild, where you, you, it kind of encourages you to go off and explore. And there's... There is danger inherent in going to like areas you're not meant to be in, but you're kind of given the tools that means you can kind of get out of that situation. You've got a chance at the very least. And it's designed where it's very easy for you to see. You can get up high. You can see lots of things. You can see interesting points you need to go and get. The problem is once you get past 100 meters, you can see fuck all. <laughs> and because you don't get a map or any way of really sketching out where you are and what locations are where, unless you put beacons there that you kind of write on like the front of them, this is what's here, and you look at them in the map and you can see it. Like, okay, that's where that big cave with all the mushrooms is. I need to go there. It's so hard to have any clue where these, like, items are going to be. And they're tiny. They're so small, the fragments you need to pick up for nickel. So I was like, unless I look at this wiki, wiki I would never have figured out how to get it. The map is too big to be so obscure to navigate. So if I was trying to stick to the rules and not look like I did with Breath of the Wild and not look at things, I think I would have quit in frustration of like, I have no clue where this goddamn nickel is. I'm just going to abandon ship and fuck this game off. The other problem is it's a technical problem. The, ma the map is massive, but also has very crippling loading problems when you get later into the game. <laughs> to the point where it became a common occurrence for textures not to pop in at all. And oh, I had wow. to do... So I was going to like my deepest base, which was next to this big cave that kind of leads you toward the end game stuff. And when I was going over there, I had to remember where the mountains were because they wouldn't pop like visually, but my submarine would still crash into it and it would cause damage. So I had to mem remember like in basically invisible space where like the plants would form on the side of this like underwater mountain, but the mountain itself wouldn't form. So I had to figure out a way to remember how to get there without hitting into any mountains. Jesus. So it's got, yeah, real bad lag issues later on. It only crashed once, in fairness, but it lagged real bad near the end when it's trying to load. If you start from your submarine and you go into depth of like 900 metres, it's got to load the safe shallows, the seaweed farm, the mushroom farm, then you've got to get this cave that has like a big glowing tree inside it and loads of really high enemy levels, which you can't fight, by the way. The game gives you no way of defending yourself. You can just build better defenses on your submarine, but not like offensive capabilities. It just gets better at shrugging off hits and kind of distracting animals as opposed to killing them. Then it's trying to load like an underwater green slime biome, then a lava zone, then a and it just it couldn't handle it and it just crapped out. And it got really hard to play later on because the PS4 just could not handle it. So, yeah, it's not a game for everybody. And whatever you do, don't play it with um, food and drink as needed options as well, because it's such a faff. I actually, well, I was playing it, I played about eight hours with that on, went to save and then turn off the game. Turns out I hadn't waited long enough for it to save and it deleted about four hours worth of progress for me. Ooh, and I good. said, right, 
screw it. I'm not playing with food and drink on. I'm going to go with the other option, which is just you've got to worry about health and oxygen because it's such a faff to have to cook stuff takes ages, but you don't get a lot of good out of it. And what he go, he must be the most dehydrated man, hydrated man in the world. Because you drink water, and then about 10 minutes later, he's like dying of thirst. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I know you're doing a lot of swimming, but my God, you've got a condition. And the only way to get water is to either get salt and somehow that get salt to get bleach, which then can help you like filter out the seawater to make it drinkable. Or you've got to grab a very specific fish that you can use to get water out of, but for like a fraction of what you need. So, yeah, don't do it with that and you should have a good time. I did enjoy myself and there's a good like kind of absent story for most of it that kind of only comes into play occasionally and it's very well told in how subtle it is. It's just a lot of technical problems come into play later where you will have to be watching a lot of videos of, right, here's where to find this very specific or you need to get on with the mission and all that good stuff. So I don't know if I can recommend it necessarily, but I I enjoyed my time with it when it wasn't shitting the bed. So keep it. if you've got a PS4 Pro, I think you'll be fine. But I don't know, I've got a relatively old PS4 at this point. It wasn't up to the challenge. <laughs> yeah, that... When I was playing it, the the problem is more so. I mean, it didn't help that I was playing Minecraft again at the time. Ah, like right. I'd started playing Minecraft because I've got it on Xbox. I just own it on Xbox, and we bought it for the Switch so that Caroline can play with me. So we've made a world, and it's been great. I've been really enjoying getting back to Minecraft again. Subnautica in its earlier moments feels like Minecraft, where you have to. And I played with the food and drink arm, which really didn't help. Where you just got to manage bars. You can't do that thing that you can do in minecraft where you can just run off in one direction and see what's out there you're especially in the earlier moments of subnautica you're constantly having to come up for air you're constantly having to keep your eye on things you can't get lost in that world which is probably why i should i should try it again but with those things turned off but i just i found it so fucking tedious and and like you say it's a very lovely detailed world they've built that's just not I, I like the fact that it's not bothered about you at all but i also I, I do sympathize with the thing of they don't make the things you have to collect uber obvious it's like it guides your hand a little bit but also not yeah. enough i feel like for a world because the good thing about minecraft is is because it's on that grid yeah don't necessarily miss anything no. everything's very obvious and obviously there's i mean you can say there's a story in minecraft but you'd be lying um there is something to do subnautica lacked that it had a very clear like this is the story of this game that then went away almost instantly and it mm. and it was now the story of can you manage these fucking meters and i i just couldn't maybe i'll give it another go maybe i'll give yeah. it another go but with the Game Pass, with PS Plus, with Nintendo Switch Online, I don't feel like I need to go back to it. I no, feel like... I don't. I don't blame you because it's. I I liked it because it, it hooked me in initially, uh, admittedly, and then later on, I think if I hadn't really liked it early on, I would have given up on it. And I think there's a hell of a sequel out there for Subnautica if they ever get round to making it. I think there's a lot of issues you can iron out with a more powerful console that would make a brilliant game i really do think that but i i do get the frustration it was much better when i played without food and water on i think if i'd kept them on especially when you've got to do the really like deep dives 
later on, you need to pack because your inventory space is quite small and there's no way of updating your personal inventory space that you can carry on you at any one time. You can kind of have storage modules on your vehicles and stuff, but only a few. To have to then fill up most of that with food and water just so I can make it to a certain place, I don't think I would have carried on playing. So yeah, that no, solved a lot of problems. And you, you do need you need the wiki guide to help you sometimes because yeah. it just later on it gets so obscure. But I, I, I think a some way of being able to fast travel would be nice because I don't know how many hours of my life I've wasted in the last three weeks of just trotting between my bases trying to figure out where I'd stored all the diamond. Like going, is it in the island base? Is it in the west base? Is it in the <laughs> ship base? And just trundling along in my little thing that you can't improve the speed of. I'm like, oh god, this is going to take it. Like I have to put like half an hour in just to go and check all the bases are okay. Jesus. So yeah, it's 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 not for everyone, but that is the one that's taken most of my time. I'm happy it's finished now because um, I was a bit worried like, if I don't start looking at how to finish this game, I'm gonna have to abandon it to play Last of Us. It's done now thankfully but uh that's my big contribution to the game so <laughs> um i feel like this will be a different conversation in a few months when we have had new games because i haven't played any of the new ones released i haven't played the final fantasy 7 remake which i i played the demo and i actually kind of enjoyed so i might circle back around to that eventually but the other big one that came out was animal crossing which i do own but rachel's been playing it like exclusively i haven't touched it yet but yeah I was, I was i was about to say we're, we're looking at a nearly two hour podcast and we haven't mentioned animal crossing yet which is a bit strange yeah i have been playing it caroline has been playing it it's it's good like I, I understand the level of escapism and control that makes this game so appealing to so many people i did not think it was going to be this successful darren like really? i knew people were looking forward to it but this has got widespread appeal like shockingly widespread appeal caroline found out about the game she's not a gamer like in terms of games that she enjoys she likes minecraft she likes stardew valley and she enjoys watching me play red dead because of the immersion that Mm -hmm. is basically the long and short of it outside of like mobile games she i was gonna buy it and she said i've been looking in like my facebook groups that she reads and people have been talking about it, people who aren't gamers, which I found very interesting because at least casual Nintendo fans were excited for this. Mm-hmm. But it has felt far more important than even that. It's the best-selling one in the series, as, as far as I know. Um, and in terms of, like, Switch sales, I know that they did a bundle with a different colored Switch that sold very well. I know it sold a lot of consoles, and obviously it's become one of the more successful games for the Switch period, which is crazy. However, there is something to this game that is kind of... I don't want to call it insidious, because I don't think it's bad, but that ingrains an attitude in you. And I should have known this from playing previous titles, of you got to play for at least, like you said, you said you got to have half an hour to go and do, um, like go from base to base in Subnautica. Yeah. This game conditions you for half an hour to go on, to see what your like five special tasks for the day are, to do them, to pay off part of your loan, to start a build of a bridge or a incline, to go and talk to people, to give them items, to get items, to see which special vendors on for the day, to go and talk to, um, the people in the town hall 
to like go and get your points for certain things to tend to your flowers like it's all innocuous shit and yet somehow it 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 develops a sense of importance like i wasn't really giving a shit about the town building aspect mainly because it was taking me forever to get basically the game opens up when you get a three-star island um and you're able to terraform and change the land and open up waters and start new rivers and that degree of control makes the game far more engaging and i know that people sped to that really quickly they were able to you know just plug all of their um their money in the game to buying flowers to make the island prettier which means you get to what is essentially the canonical ending of the game because that's when the credits roll when you get a kk slider to come to your island and perform once that's happened that is the canonical story of that game over to an extent obviously they're adding events as it goes on so they've added they added the uh, the springtime events and they've introduced a new vendor that sells you shrubbery they are doing the wedding season at the moment so you can it gives you more incentive to go to the the photo studio island which is run by a hippie dog that's interesting um and then we add in more seasonal content as it comes along so the game isn't done but in terms of starting the game and seeing the opening titles to the closing titles you can do that inside a week so the fact that it's got so much staying power really really lends to the character and i think that also largely depends on the people that you've got living on your island and also how far you want to go in creating your vision. Right. So it, it's a very Minecraft state of mind again, especially because they've now put these crafting mechanics in. It's no longer a case of you just need to use your cold hard cash to buy furniture, to buy um, facilities for the island. It is now you can make it from scratch as well. You can build up and have these things. I'm trying to get, at the minute, I'm grinding up to get gold nuggets so that i can build a robot so it's like it doesn't do anything it's just a robot statue but it's cool and i want to put it next to the godzilla statue i bought so that that's just a thing i want okay. but it, and it gets in your head and it makes you want to do that every single day but in terms of the stuff that's actually measurable that's tangible in the game excellent sound design really nice clean crisp and colorful visuals um the controls are not complicated at all, even though you do have a lot of menus. So the the fo- you get a phone early on in the game that acts as kind of like the the pause menu to an extent that has different services. You're then quickly introduced to mechanics like a custom design maker where you can do things on a pixel by pixel basis, which is really cool. You can then use those designs for clothing. You can use them for posters. You can use them for carpets you can use for wallpapers you can the the game is limited to your imagination in a very literal sense if you can make something that looks how you want it to look you can do it you're only limited by what items are available to sort of slap those things onto really right and i didn't think i was going to get attached to villages because i sped through to try and get 10 on my island so I can increase the star rating so that I can get KKI slides come to the island so that I can start moving things around properly so I can basically start dismantling cliffs and shit. Um, but the the strong sense of character with those islanders 
it's so good. I'm so surprised that I've got there, there are two characters on my island right now that I, I just want to go and talk to every day. I, the, I've got Stella, who's a sheep, and Cube, who is a penguin, and they're best friends, and they're always around each other's house, and it's the cutest goddamn thing. Like, so you'll log on at... Sometimes I do things late at night because I've been playing other games in the day or I've had other things on. Uh, and <laughs> you find them just singing together in the square, and it's just ridiculously heartwarming and... Yeah, I get how this has been a ray of sunshine for people in what mm-hmm. has been an otherwise really shit year. Yeah, it's it was perfect timing. Like, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> say this is like a perfect like marketing opportunity for uh, Animal Crossing, you know, the a global pandemic, but it really couldn't have come out at a better time. Yeah, they like, are, in terms of circumstance, holy shit, yes. they looked out. They're going to have to scale down the expectations for the next game because it's like, well, that'll never happen again where we've got the most captive audience ever. I bet so many games that delayed are annoyed about that. Like Watch Dogs Legion would have come out right in the middle of this and would have been perfect as everyone wanted to play video games. Everyone was stuck at home and everyone was really liking conspiracy theories. So Watchdog Legion <laughs> would have been I mean that would have been the highest grossing game of all time potentially if it had come out and not been delayed but uh alas. Um, but no I have you ever played an Animal Crossing game before is this your first one? It's the first one I've owned but it's not the first one I've played. I've played right. New Leaf on the 3DS and I've played the original on the GameCube. Uh there was one on the Wii, didn't play that. There was one on the original DS and I didn't play that. Um I don't know whether this is like the fifth or sixth in the series, but this is the first one that I've gone, right, I am going out of my way with my own money to buy this game and play it. And right. I'm glad I did. It is it is very suited to the world right now. I'm worried that if I were to buy another one, I wouldn't enjoy it as much. No. There are very few games that have such a... And because Animal Crossing, it isn't a game you can play all day, although it's set up to do so. It's it's kind of weird. Once you've done your bits for the day, once you've done your little timed activities, once you've talked talk to all your villagers, given them presents, checked who's turned up, maybe gone off. Because you can now go off to other islands in this game. Not only other user islands, so you can hang out with friends, which is real cool. Uh, but they've got this system called the Nook Ticket. You buy them for like one of the in-game currencies. And you go to another, a smaller deserted island where you have the chance to go and find um, like fish, bugs, and other raw materials that might not be growing on your island. Mm-hmm. Now, when the game launched, it was tarantula season, and they they were like one of the highest selling animals in the game if you can catch them. Right. So I spent, I'm not ashamed to say I spent a good couple of nights basically making tarantula spawning islands which means you had to play past seven o'clock. You had to go to a deserted island that had no water. You then had to clear out everything. So chop down all the trees, break all the rocks, um, basically make it so that nothing other than ground-dwelling bugs can spawn and then just run back and forth until they spawn because that way you can grind up bells, which means you can get a better house quicker, which means you can unlock the terrain building quicker. It was just... I know this game is meant to be played in short bursts over many days, but I had the time. I had the time to do that shit, and that is not a sustainable way of playing the game. I had fun with it, 
but it doesn't it becomes an automatic thing it becomes a cartoon animal version of euro truck simulator where you need to have something else on in the background for the game to be fun right okay <laughs> that that's it, it's a very very limited situation in which that comes out because there are not going to be many situations where you have an entire day to play animal crossing and then an entire week and then an entire month and then an entire quarter of the year for how that comes out normally when the world is actually functioning a half an hour of burst a day is actually pretty doable i would say especially if you are a gamer so yeah is it going to see this heights of popularity again honestly i don't know although the switch is the little system that could and it's been getting everybody into gaming again it's it's like the wii only this time people are playing real games it's weird (laughs) i Um, i must admit i'm in a bit of a mood with my switch as i finally got drift oh Um, i've had that as well mm, i've got some wd40 contact cleaner that i'm going to try and fix the problem with um, ahead I've of just, Pokemon, I've just scheduled for a thing. <laughs> no, I tell, I tell you what happened. We bought new Joy Cons so that we could keep playing Minecraft. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, we we bought the um the pink and green Joy Cons, so they're now on the Switch properly. Right. Um, and then the red and blue ones have been taken off. It's just the blue one that's done something. I broke my red one last year, so I, I've got oh. a second red one. I had to buy from a guy off eBay, and now I'm sending my blue one off to be fixed for the drift from nintendo right see i want to at least try and do that myself um so i'm going to give that a go with some youtube tutorials before uh pokemon gets here um in a week and a half so hopefully that's going to fix it because yeah, i can't i don't want to have to buy new joy cons that's not how that's meant to work and nintendo really should have built this thing to last a bit longer that's a bit annoying i mean i can play it in docked i have got the, the pro controller yeah same but I mean, that kind of then sacrificed the TV. And if I was living by myself, not a problem. But balance has to be found. So I'm going to desperately try and fix mine. But uh, no, I, 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 I've yet to touch Animal Crossing. I just don't know if it's for me. But I I mean, I've just spent a game where you had to do menial tasks a lot in order to get resources. So I can't say it's not completely in my wheelhouse. So there we are. Uh, whew. That was a long one. That was a really long episode. <laughs> that was a purge. But that's that's covered everything that we've... Well, near enough everything that we've done. There is, there's like little bits. I, I didn't want to talk about um, What the Golf until I finished it. But I'm really enjoying What the Golf. Um, and there's like some movies I want to watch whilst we're in lockdown that obviously I haven't done yet because I've been playing other things and watching other things. So I feel like there'll be another roundup. I'm guessing the year end where we mentioned stuff now but yeah yeah, we're fine we're coming to the end of that drought and things are going to start happening again soon and now i've said that out loud they won't but But let's let's keep our fingers crossed shall we that hopefully we don't have to do another two-hour episode that talks about the things (laughs) we've done because we're trapped in the fucking house fingers crossed i mean if that comes i mean (laughs) i mean let's try and help you can get married Let's try and get that done. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's 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 try and hope that we get to do that instead of having to talk about how we uh, we all ended up playing like FIFA 07 again because we literally <laughs> ran out of so many games to play. <laughs> yeah. um, but there we are. So the wonderful world of Madden, you know, just like, 
God. We're just, do, we're just doing this shit because there is nothing else to do because the world's on fire. I have actually been waiting for Madden to come on PlayStation Plus because I do know a bit about American football and I just want to try and understand the rules. And I think I can't bother to ask Americans because they're, they're going to be sarcastic about it. So I'm waiting for the game to come out to explain the rules of American football to me. But uh, Oh, God. There we are. Anyway. Wrap let's, up, Michael. let's wrap this up. You can go and follow us um, under these names, FoulenT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can also go to our website, foulentertainment.com, for more podcasts and articles. I am writing again, Darren, so there will be actually articles going Ooh. up. So that's fun. Um, it's taken forever to find inspiration, but I'm finally getting some writing done. Uh, you can go and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at that Mike Owen. You can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at the Guttridge. And if you want to listen to more podcasts, you can find us under Fowley and T or Fowley and T podcasts on Spotify, Apple podcasts, SoundCloud and any other RSS feed functions. Coming up next week uh, is going to be another pitch episode because, hey, nothing's really coming out other than stuff that we really can't review properly so more pitches yay um after that fingers crossed we get the ps5 launch fingers mm-hmm. crossed the nintendo director happens after over 270 days without a direct uh good god can someone do something please because we're running out of ideas we're really running that out would of be ideas. nice i mean if you are short of things to do you can always go and look back through the back catalog of pitches that we have done we've got to have done at least 15 or 20 at this point for you to go and listen to uh, most of them aren't time sensitive. I mean, some of the ones we did about the MCU have been and gone, but they're still interesting thought experiments. So do go check them out. It's a great time to go and do that uh, whilst we scramble to find new ways of giving you new material every single week. My God, that PlayStation direct, PlayStation announcement would have been so good. We could have <laughs> got at least five episodes out of that goddamn thing. But alas, the world turns on and we'll be back again next week. Thank you very much for listening to this incredibly long episode of Talk Amongst Yourselves, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody! Bye!